Welcome to the Gatecast and our journey through the Stargate, through SG-1, Atlantis and Stargate Universe. Destiny. The design is clearly ancient, launched hundreds of thousands of years ago. We are on a ship, but we have no idea where we are in relation to Earth. These are the wrong people in the wrong place. Shoot him. Why'd you do that? He told me to. I have a gun. What happened? Greer. Greer shot him. Each week, Alan and Mike will be following the adventures of the crew of the Destiny, along with one or two guest hosts. Join us for everything that is Stargate Universe. Before we begin, we'd like to offer our condolences to the friends and family of Dennis McGrath. He was the writer of the Stargate Universe episode Faith, also worked on many Canadian TV series such as Continuum and Aftermath. Unfortunately, he passed on Thursday the 23rd at the very young age of 48. Hello, good evening and welcome to Gatecast episode 347. Covering Stargate Universe Season 2, Episode 17, Common Descent. And try as I might, I cannot think of a logical link between the title of the episode and our guest. So I will simply allow our guest to introduce himself. Uh, hi, this is uh, Miles McLaughlin from the States, Pennsylvania specifically. And I'm a podcaster myself. I do the Sci-Fi Diner podcast with a couple of my friends. There's a convention coming up in July, and we have guests who appeared on Stargate shows. Marina Sreardis, better known for playing Deanna Troy on Star Trek Next Generation, but she also guest starred an episode of uh, SG-1. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, but Michael Tupode, he has guest starred in too many shows to name. <laughs> but he's going to be there. I'm, I'm excited to talk to him. I've heard nothing but good stuff about Mike. That's good. Always seems a very, very friendly guy from people who have talked to him. Yeah, I, I hope we get to interview him for the podcast. I'm pretty sure we will. And welcome back to the show. It's been a while. It has, thanks. Uh, good to be back. <laughs> you managed to squeeze in near the end? I did, and I got to be on you know, two of the episodes that I... I mean, I love the show in its entirety, but probably these two and this whole story arc I might love the best. Yeah. I trust you're experiencing the same frustration that we are as we realized how good this show really was. Now, I realized it from day one, I'll freely say. I loved it in the moment it started. Frustration, yeah. You're looking at this and you're thinking, this is it. And it was a good show, too. I understand it's not the same tone as the other two Stargate shows, but the show had a lot to offer. Too bad most fans didn't give it the chance it deserved. Well, this is why we get the joy of the flicks of net. Yes. <laughs> because you get to see these shows. I uh, sprung for the DVDs. I've also, by the way, found the perfect way to watch 3%. What's that? I t uh, on the tablet when I'm traveling. No, what's 3%? 3% is a Netflix original in Brazilian Portuguese. Oh, okay. There's a Hunger Games sort of vibe. Basically, they have the offshore where people have access to excellent medical care and proper food and so on. And then you have Brazil itself, which is basically a sort of wasteland. Young people are chosen every year to go through the process. And only 3% make it all the way through the process and get a place in the offshore. But it's in Brazilian. So I have to watch it on the tablet when I'm traveling because if I look away from the screen to play Scrabble or something, I miss what's said and I have to rewind because it's subtitled. 
Have you guys been checking out Travelers? We've seen it. Yep. Premiere episode as a bonus episode. Oh, that's right, you did. Luckily, it worked out okay. It got released on Netflix before we released uh, that episode, so probably everybody that wanted to watch it got to watch it. Yeah, yeah, I, I know I did, because I was like, I can't just leave it here. I went back and rewatched episode one, because when you're commenting on it, you can't really become absorbed. If you enjoy Travelers, can I make a strong recommendation for Incorporated? Okay. David Hewlett's in it. Well, the first few episodes. Uh, unfortunately, it's been cancelled. I can't find episode 10 anywhere. Well, I don't know about that, but it's just going to be a one-season show. Duly noted. I did a quick Google, and season two of Travelers is set to commence filming in April and premiere, I believe, in September. Or it's already filming and it's premiering in April. I don't know. One of the other. Yeah, I think I saw a tweet today that they're already filming. That's good. I like that, Joe. No shortage of Stargate alumni. True. Funnily enough, one of the stars of Travelers is in tonight's episode. I noticed that, too. You've been watching the episode beforehand, haven't you? I did watch it again. No hope of a Blu-ray for season two. No, if you want Stargate Universe second season HD, you're going to have to probably get it from someplace like Apple. Is there a Blu-ray of Man in the High Castle yet? I can't imagine Amazon wouldn't release their stuff on Blu-ray. They've got no reason to. They want to encourage people to get Prime instead? Well, yeah. I was surprised when Netflix started releasing their originals. But then again, Marvel have a say in that as well. Well, I've actually kicked off recently because I'd watched it, but I hadn't gotten very far into it. And there's three seasons of it on Finnish Netflix. Bitten. Yeah, I've seen the first two seasons. Because I was kind of going, oh, they've gone all sort of romanticism. This is interesting. And then suddenly around episode five, it got really exciting. It's reawakened my interest. Because I get about an hour in the mornings to watch Netflix. The Flesh Pulp Podcast. Three to ten minutes of fiction brought to you thrice weekly. Two hundred miles below the surface of the earth. At the terminus of a series of long-sealed caverns and interconnected shines. Under the shadow of the eternally bleeding eye. There is a crippled wreck of a man writing tales. Stories of a dimension engulfed in madness. He is writing them of you. Think them all at fleshpulp.com or search for it on iTunes. But we should probably kick off because we've been blathering for a while. Yeah, I think a couple of times there, Miles, we're going to try to get a word in edgewise. <laughs> no worries. Okay then, folks, uh, tonight, as Alan says, we're going to be watching Common Descent. The video we will be commenting on is taken from the Region 2 DVD. It has a runtime of 41 minutes, 43 seconds. Hopefully we're all looking at the black screen with the counter set to zero. Alan will be doing his 3 to one countdown shortly when he says clicky, press play, and everything should be fine. If you are watching uh, Region 1 or maybe a iTunes download, obviously the, the timing's different and... Syncing the audio up will require a little bit of pausing every now and again. Oh, well, that is, sorry. There's only so much to say, and it's pretty much the same thing every week. Right. I think Swedish, unless Miles has a preference. Sounds good to me. Okay. Well, my Swedish might not. Three, four, et, clicky. Okay, then, here we are. Like, as I said, the drums and the Nicholas Rush doing a little bit of voiceover. Common Descent, Season 2, Episode 17 of Stargate Universe. 
and this is Gatecast episode 347. This episode was uh, written by Rob C. Cooper and directed by Peter DeLuise. At its US and Canadian premiere in April the 18th, 2011. Germany, May the 5th. Sweden, October the 15th. Hungary, April the 23rd, 2014. Uh, there are, believe it or not, no shows with episodes of the same name. And... Uh, this is the last episode Rob C. Cooper wrote for the Stargate franchise, and it is the last episode Peter directed for the Stargate franchise. So, uh, uh, coming to the end of an era. Yeah. Goodbye, Peter. Right, jump back to previously. Telford doing his thing. Uh, here we are. New footage. We're down to about 20% efficiency here. Looks like somebody's brewing stout. <laughs> we get tonight. Yeah, that doesn't look like a very healthy filter, does it, anymore? No. No does not. Uh-oh. Now, you would, you would have thought that huge arboretum they've got now would have been supplementing the oxygen. Hey, I've had a number of people reporting headaches, a couple of cases of nausea and dizziness. I don't know if they're related, but both cases are sleeping in fourth floor sea quarters. Yeah, something on this bucket is always broken. Russian Brody are working on it. We need more lime for the air filters. Ooh. Oh, it hurt him. Never thought of that, but that's a good point. This is Young. What do we got? Uh, two gates. One is locked out, the other looks promising. It looks, it's a gate. How does it look promising? The lamp. Yes. Front and center. Looks like the planet may have some of the supplies we need. Oh, I don't suppose they found any of those purple fruit we got a while back. Oh, yeah, yeah. You like those? Those were awful. Oh, yeah, they tasted terrible. Mm. Now, nobody could explain what the joke was here. Hmm. They left us hanging. Yes. <laughs> Maybe they were cucumber shaped. Hey, did you see that? No, no, you can't just change the subject. No, seriously, look. Yeah, perhaps you should change the subject. <laughs> Something moved out there. I tell you, Destiny's sensors are not very good if you spot stuff visually. I like yeah, this, but... so it's a simple thing that they see it through the windows. Yeah. Something visceral about it. Those are drones. Thank you, Captain Obvious. <laughs> <laughs> Here come the drones. And the shooting. I mean, guys, I know you're young, Eli, but really, we're under attack. The commentary for this episode was Jennifer Spence and Patrick Gilmore, called in March 2011. This is the first time they both watched the completed episode. Evasive maneuvers! Executing evasive maneuvers! Uh, why do you have to be told to execute evasive maneuvers? I mean, how dumb are you? Well, totally honest, the ship that big, evasive maneuvers are not that significant. They probably show, you know, the CGI of Destiny swinging about probably a lot more than it should be. A lot more could be on the way. I'll say this, for a big ship, Destiny is rather maneuverable. Ow. That's gonna leave a mark. <laughs> We're taking some minor damage. I'm really think power to shields and weapons. Minor damage? Well, the shield probably took most of that. But they've got to learn the lesson. When they come out of FDL, they've got to be weapons ready. Just on general principles. Let's hope they don't. Maybe we can handle six of them, but we can't jump back into FDL for another two hours and ten minutes. Oh, that is the bugbear of destiny. Did I hear a bark? Yeah, it's my parents' dog. Sorry about that. It's on intercept course. Put him in R6, give me maximum acceleration. Yes, sir. Uh, run away. <laughs> Vaguely disturbing that these drones are roughly as fast as destiny. Too bad we didn't know more about the drones, but the show wrapped up. Yes, a loose end that could have been explored. The show ended, it didn't wrap up. <laughs> That's true. 
Now the question is, was was the command ship just waiting there? Or, I mean, obviously, uh, blockade does explain a lot more about the tactics of this intelligence. Somehow coming after us? How? I'm not sure. You think it has something to do with the one we have on board? But I guess they think the one they have in possession might be tipping them off. Oh yeah, they, they haven't done a full autopsy on it or anything. Mm -hmm. Colonel Young, this is Park. Destiny just cut off power to the sublight, probably to prevent a burnout. Do you want me to override? I wouldn't recommend it. That's a negative. How about the command ship? They've slowed as well, but still closing. ETA is less than one hour. Understood. But what's the big deal of Destiny shutting off its drive? You know, they're not going to slow down. That's one good thing we know about space travel. I mean, once you've got your momentum, you're going to keep going unless something actually acts on you. That's true. You're, yeah, but where it stops is in a planetary system. Which means you've got gravity well, so he actually has things acting. But they could do the planet slingshot thing. I think they are a long way. Did they actually say they, they were near a planet? They said they have two gates on the system. That's yeah. all. I don't think they're near the planet yet. No. This is a good effect, just of them ejecting the uh, drone. Destroying that drone only helps us if we make it to the next jump, assuming that's how they tracked us in the first place. Sorry. Just panicking out loud. <laughs> nice. Just panicking out loud. <laughs> that's great. I'm thinking out loud. <laughs> at, that at that point, it would have been useful if Rush pulled out a copy of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah, you look at Destiny, the engines on it. Then you've got the command ship, which... All the spaceships we've seen in, in the show that don't belong to the ancients have rather small drive units. Okay. Destiny's is huge. We're not going to make it. This is not good. It looks like they don't even rely... What powers the drones? Sir. Oh, sparks. Sparks, more sparks. <laughs> Stargate did like its sparks. Mm -hmm. And you ask yourself, you know, how much damage, real damage, is the bridge taking just on those sparks being blown? Yeah. And that year, they didn't even know about the bridge. Were there all sparks happening at, at the same time? You know, when they were operating the Apple Core? Oh, yeah. Hold on! The edge of the unstable wormhole blew up the drone. Or they got dragged across the shield as it accelerated. We don't really know too much of the principles of FTL that Destiny uses. Totally different than what the ancients came up with <laughs> hundreds of thousands of years later. When they go into hyperspace, they're not even in real space at all. This is, I don't know, the precursor to that, I guess. Yeah, it does look as if they're travelling just very fast in normal space. Can't be, obviously. I can to Star Trek having warp drive, and then they had this theoretical transwarp drive. That's what hyperdrive was, was transwarp drive. Yeah, well, they, they couldn't have the Enterprise uh, D going the same speed as the original Enterprise, so they had to <laughs> come up with something mm -hmm. to explain it. Right. And just, oh, we re recalibrated the warp scale, because warp 55 sounds stupid. <laughs> well, don't forget, the Enterprise D also discovered the whole environmental damage of warp. Yeah, let's not go there. Well, we've dealt with the most critical issues. Look, I can't guarantee it's going to be safe. But I can't guarantee if we don't stop pretty soon, we're going to have trouble breathing. Okay. Drop out. Please tell me there's no more drones in range. Screens are clear. For now, anyway. That's it. 
As soon as you come out FDL, do a full scan of the immediate area. Be at red alert. What do we got? Good atmosphere, temperature, trees. It's nice. Okay, let's go. <laughs> trees. Oh, <laughs> we're going to Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta wonder what that thing is for. That circular control top left. I'm not sure. Could be a control interface with multiple functions. Press one button, it does one thing. Press another, it does another. Similar to what they have on uh, very expensive German luxury cars at the moment. I think I heard something. Yeah, you probably did, Greer. Investigate. Stop! Freeze! Halt! Hello. Oh. The people. Don't shoot. Yes, speaking English. You speak English? He came through the gate. Oh my god, I know you. What? You, you're Matthew Scott. Huh? Alan's confused. <laughs> Come on, Alan, you've seen this before. It might have been a few years ago. One. <laughs> How do you know our names? You're the ancestors. Oh, this trope. Yep, Riley Dolman and Katie Finley. Riley Dolman, of course, Philip from Travellers. And Katie, she starred in The Killing. They call them the ancestors. Why would they say that? According to Scott, they claim that their civilization was founded 2,000 years ago by the crew of the Destiny. They said it was in their historical archives. They even had copies of old Kino footage, and that's how they were able to recognize Scott and Greer. How is it possible? See, this a few episodes back in Twin Destinies, you know, oh, the whole crew of the Destiny is dead, gone, vanished, lost in the time stream. But no, they, they found some place to live. Timey-wimey uh, stuff. No, this is a... Uh... Come on, DS9 did this trope. Yes, you did this one better. Oh, yeah, this is this is the epic. What if the wormhole sent them even further back? We know solar flares can do that. Cause a wormhole to loop back on itself and move through time. Yeah, but it didn't loop back on itself. There was no destiny here 2,000 years ago. The wormhole simply jumped to another gate in the vicinity. I mean, Deep Space Nine did the reset button. Star Trek, that's what they do. Yeah, most of the time travel stuff in Star Trek doesn't have a consequence. I think we have a good payback, payoff. We did get one consequence with the uh, orb-based time travel, where Cisco replaced the actual hero of the revolution. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fine. Don't you at least want to know what happened to them? How they survived and developed as a society? You played a lot of SimCity as a kid, didn't you? Actually, this is more like Sim Earth. Come on. We have to go talk to these people. I like the fact that TJ still got uh, wounds from the hunt. Nice continuity. Yeah. They did good continuity here as far as, I mean, these people have been through the ringer, but we saw the transition of them healing up. I'd say, if, if you're going to do a serialized story, go all in. Mm-hmm. They have long sleeves on some of them. They have adjusted them over the year or so. Good thing they have extra camos. Everyone, this is uh, Jason and Ellie. <laughs> Can I get your autograph? Can we get a selfie? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is hero worship. <laughs> Chloe Armstrong. Camille Ray. Pleased to meet you. I don't even know how this is possible. You're all dead. Thousands of years ago. It's probably one of the benefits of starting a civilization with a high level of technology. You know, their history is so well documented. They have video footage of them. Yeah. We don't, I mean, we don't have video footage of stuff from over 100 years ago. We just, we're just lucky if we have photographs. Yeah. Our radio ahead and make sure they know we're coming. You have radios? 
course. No one's going to believe this. They're totally going to freak out when they see you. <laughs> Mr. Surprise, you've got a radio. Of course I've got a radio. Come on. <laughs> this is so cool. <laughs> when we first heard you come through the gate, we thought maybe you were from Novus. What's Novus? Uh, a running gag throughout these two episodes and the planet's name. This place? No. Our people came here as part of an expedition, one of several sent to find other viable worlds. So, you used gate trail? We did. But then one day something happened and we couldn't connect to Novus anymore. And no other gates in range. So you've been stranded here. How long ago did that happen? It was before Jason and I were even born. So they became gate travelers themselves. Makes sense, really. You know, even if you didn't have operational starships, you'd make use of the gate because you know how it works. You just got to map it out. I mean, you would think they would need, they'd find resources on other planets and just to be aware of the galaxy around them. Yeah. Hi. Oh, hey, hey, it's okay. Don't, don't be afraid. Maybe potential colonies for later on. I think I, this thread could have been explored next season if there was a next season of what these people may have done. Yeah, this day's going to get very interesting for you. <laughs> this is August Schellenberg. And he unfortunately passed away in 2013, age 77. He was in uh, Due South, Saving Grace, Airwolf, and uh, many, many other shows. Quality character actor. They don't go in for colourful clothing, do they? They do like their earth tones. Yes. <laughs> it is an honour to meet you. Likewise. Come in, please. There does seem to be an awful lot of extras for this location shoot. This couldn't have been cheap. Or easy to film. Notice the very subtle change in the lighting, moving on to an indoor set. Looks pretty good, but you can tell. May I introduce Landon, Abigail... And Betty. <laughs> Betty. <laughs> Betty. <laughs> nice. Yeah, Betty was played by Christina Jess Rezemska. Uh, she's also appeared in uh, Stargate Atlantis and Stargate SG-1, so uh, not that many actors get to be in all three live-action shows. Also appeared in Van Helsing as well. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You're even more handsome in person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good and cool. Seriously. Uh, you've got the feeling that they... They had a different purpose when they got to this planet. Yeah, it looks like, I mean, they they were still intense, so they didn't have, they didn't bring a lot with them. No. Thank you. Most of us, myself included, never imagined this day would come. Uh, Ellie said the Testament spoke of Destiny's return. If that's some sort of written history, I'd love to take a look at it. If I could Eli, figure out. there's time. <laughs> but not a lot of time. We have questions for you as well. But first... Let me begin with some ancient words of greeting. Wan Shu Ru Yi, which means? Uh, roughly, um, may all things go according to the wishes of those who hear it. That's right. Yeah, nicely bookends the two episodes. Mm -hmm. You wonder where Yao Zhu might have been descended from. Yeah. Well, that's the beauty of it. You know, there was only so many people on Destiny. 80-odd. And maybe a few Lucian Alliance. Right, so maybe Night Tops. I know, we, we killed off the Lucian Alliance before these people spun off. No, or we after, didn't. didn't we? After these people spun off, rather. After, yeah. Obviously they had a head start, I mean, they had our knowledge. Did they know they'd gone back in time? No, but uh, apparently the other me suspected it was possible. I wrote that one day Destiny could return. Still, they must have been pretty surprised to see you. How long have they been there? 30 years. Interesting number. 
they haven't really done much with the natural resources, but what they took with them has lasted well. Yeah, everything's held up. I mean, they had solar panels, some sort of you know radio transmitted towers. Oh joy! <laughs> I mean, these people, I guess, always thought they'd leave someday soon. There were two predominant countries on Novus, each based on a distinct political philosophy. The people in the expedition were all from one country called Tenera. They follow the teachings of this book, The Testament, which apparently some of us wrote. Wait, Tenera? That's ancient. That means the land of the young. Or the land of young. This is nice. A uh, payoff. They call the turn of the oak. Did I read that right? I don't know what you read. Well, what did they say? Tenera. Land of the young. Sorry, Ternanog is the Irish guy that court for it. Eventually, he became some kind of savior figure. They broke off and formed a country of their own. Oh, let me guess, Russia? <laughs> That's funny. They called it Futura. Really? What's wrong with Futura? It's a dumb name. Yeah? How is it dumb? Apparently, he came up with it. <laughs> <laughs> this was a running gag. <laughs> Two guys fighting over that was just like Brody's idea. Right, so they have no idea what happened on their homeworld. Imagine though, handful of people survive destiny, land on this planet, and then less than two thousand years later, when they've built a huge civilization, they realize the planet is dying. How unlucky can you be? These people have been unlucky since day one. And if you could get a good look at that chip you would see it's written Volker Industries. The Dead Sea Scrolls. Look, are we going to get the supplies we need or not? Yeah, they're helping us gather all kinds of stuff. Good, then perhaps something useful will come out of this after all. Yes, sweetness and light is Rush. Yeah, Rush doesn't seem enthused about this. I can't believe you helped found an entire country based on the hopes that he would come and rescue you. I can't believe you named it Futura. Shut up. Seriously, isn't that a font? Ooh. <laughs> but then again, we've seen throughout the series that Brody has always been in Russia's camp. Oh yeah, he's definitely been a Russian apologist. Yeah. All right, there's a station set up in the gate room. Okay, make it happen. I hope these. Um, probably a good idea. These people got plenty of food. Very generous. Yes. Which is why later in this episode, it comes as a bit of a shock what Young decides. Yeah, that was harsh. This is our bridge. This is awesome. He <laughs> <You> said awesome. <laughs> oh, he's a teenager, all right. I was just leaving, actually. Oh, look at them, head bowed down. Weird. No, <laughs> Russia's got no time for this. Well, you can stay as long as you like. I'm sure Doctors Volker and Park have many amusing stories to fascinate you with. Um, is uh, everything all right? There are those somewhat less enlightened among our people who believe he is a demon who rips souls from human bodies and takes them to hell where they suffer for all eternity. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it wasn't respect, it was fear. Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> that's a nice answer. Yeah. Uh, he's not that bad. Uh, many Futurans worship him like a god. We won't tell him that. No, I don't think so. I'm not sure if Rush's ego could take it. I thought you said it was compatible. Oh, nothing ever works the way it's supposed to. No, no, give him time. Come on. There. This is the spot where we're going to break ground. Hard to imagine now, but one day, oh, hopefully, this will all be one big city. Oh, 
And uh, we, we took a final vote last night to name the planet. I suggested it, it should be something in ancient. Volker said Novus Mundus, which means new world. All appropriate. Nobody really liked the sound of Mundus. Except Volker. <laughs> anyway, Novus ended up winning out. Which, it, it's kind of strange. Because it just, it means new. Well, that does really make a lot of sense. It is your new home, a new world, new everything, as Eli says. So Novus it is. That's it. Think big. You wonder how old that chip is. The information has degraded. Well, I think the only good point is that they probably had... Well, we know Eli always takes Kinos with him everywhere he goes anyway. Mm -hmm. So he might add a couple, at least. Digital storage, ancient digital storage is pretty resilient. That's true. The, the ancients did make stuff to last. Yeah, look at Destiny. And at some point, they'd have the means to actually copy the data. Digital being what it is. <sighs> That was me. I thought it was your phone. Smurder. Fair's fair. <laughs> I get to deliver lines like that, not you. <laughs> now, this is perfectly reasonable. They've lost contact with the homeworld. They believe the gate's damaged. Worst case scenario to them is that the gate is damaged. So can't you take us back? You're going that way anyway. Yeah, it is a reasonable request. And these are their family. Yeah. <laughs> here you are, all of you. Come to rescue us. I'm surprised they didn't catch on to that earlier. The idea that these people don't particularly want to stay on this planet as it stands. Imagine if the situation were reversed and it was us asking them for help. And, and we did. And despite the fact that they barely have enough to survive on their own, they've helped us gather everything we need and more. Yeah, because they thought we were their way off that planet. Well, correct me if I am wrong, but we can't take that many people on board, even if we want to. Yeah, that is true. The life support of Destiny is not brilliant at the moment, yeah. even with some uh, lime that they've picked up. We should be able to make it just before the atmosphere on the ship gets toxic. Yeah, with nothing in reserve. So what happens if we get there and we don't find any more? Yeah, the ship is barely holding together, but still, these people just gave them all kinds of food and stuff, and they are family. And useful if they find out how to use those stasis pods, mm -hmm. just for a week or so. Because after all, if you find something like that, you've got to use it. Absolutely. <laughs> Did they even know what was causing the problem in the first place? According to Yao Zhu, their scientists were beginning to form a theory before the expedition was launched. They had evidence to suggest that a rogue black hole was approaching their solar system. Well, I take it that's not good. Yeah, and the arrival of a black hole in your star system is normally not good. So we could use all our supplies to get them there and then find no planet. Well, it's only a week of subway travel. Can't they do a quick jump? A week of subway? Where? He said it would only take them a week to get to Novus. In FTL? In FTL? Yeah. Oh, he didn't say in FTL. Well, that's that's a given. You don't go anywhere at sublight. Well, I figured <laughs> if the gate was in range, it wouldn't be in range for a week of travel. <laughs> Each Evron gate address could be the other end of the galaxy. So, this gate, would you guys say this is the first version of the Stargate that the ancients created? Yes. This is probably the most accurate representation of the drawings we saw in... Og of truth. Okay. Eli, get that thing out of my face! Sorry, sorry, sorry. I love the look on Eli's face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, should we be watching this? Uh, yeah, it's time. Uh, uh, the next contraction, I want you to push, okay? Alright. Uh, uh, pushing! At least modesty is preserved. <laughs> right. <laughs> Elaine always does expressions so well. I don't know if it, you know, they actually water her eyes or it's something she just can do. 
But she's been put through the ringer. Oh, oh. Johansson. Yep. Keep pushing, Chloe. And it's young. Yeah, this was kind of jumping the shark. They've been building Farrow and uh, TJ's relationship. Yep. One big push, okay? He's filming it. <laughs> oh, look at him. What's <laughs> the point? He's alive. Yeah, that's the... Uh, all yeah, his without, bits. without modern medical technology, death in childbirth was anything up to 35%. Yeah, you think of what this Destiny crew had to go through the first several years. A gentle hand on Eli's shoulder from TJ. We've been here ten years now. You know, he's looking great. And I noticed they padded. That's why he's got the shirt closed up, because there's probably additional padding in there. So he looks like he's put weight on around the chest and developed some moves. Yeah, living must be good. You see him now. I mean, he, he has slimmed down a lot. And strangely enough, doesn't get as much work either. <laughs> <laughs> that often happens. Maybe it's muscle. That's the only problem with the, the Kino footage. It kind of washes out a lot of the colour. Obviously, it allows you to know you're watching Kino even without the, you know, the patterning on the edge of the screen. Well, it feels like a long time ago now. It was We had very little. It was really hard, but I think it brought us together. Everything we have here, we have built with our own hands. Young, that is pretty good makeup. It's very good makeup, I was thinking. They got practice with Jack. <laughs> I think they've come on quite a bit since the S days of SG-1. The problem is they really should have gone for more of a turkey neck. <laughs> I may not have been perfect. I know that. But I know that I I tried my best. No. Young admitting he wasn't perfect. Blimey. <laughs> we will survive. We will prosper as long as we can remember above anything else. We need each other. And we need to help each other. Well, it's only taken them 30 years. <laughs> Better late than never. Now, that's the difference, you see. In the similar time scale as the people on that other world, they built cabins and all sorts. Yeah, it's a 17th, 18th, 1800s world, kind of pre-industrial. Looks like something that, you know, the settlers coming to the new world would build, the little, you know, the forts, the yep. communities surrounded by war. You figure they have no... They have no modern tools or even old tools. They have to make everything from scratch at this point. Yeah, suddenly realizing how much better they added on Destiny. This is always the case, isn't it? Yeah, and we're stopping by the home planet, not because we want to be able to help them, but because we want to see what stuff we can nick. It's not a question of not wanting to help. It's a question of resources. There are so many of you, and, and, and the ship's damaged, and I'm so sorry. So... It seems the Futurans were wrong after all. I only wish we'd known sooner. We could have avoided generations of conflict. We may be able to get the Nova Skate up and running again. If we can, we'll dial in and let you know. This is Rush. Rush is if nothing if not a pragmatist. And an opportunist. Well, that's telling, isn't it? 2,000 years of belief washed away. What was that? Is that a sonic boom? I don't know. Over there!
Oh my god. What? Yeah, that's what I said, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear me. Oh man. Inside cave, not nearby. We have to get to the gate. See, at least he was being Captain Obvious there. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it a bit harsh? Well, they speculated that these drones exist for one reason, to take out any technology and the life associated with it. That's not a radio tower. Those are cells. Those bars at the top of the radio tower are for cell phone use. 2,000 year civilization, you know, they'll probably have microwave technology. Maybe more settlements on that planet, not just this one. More sparks. <laughs> yeah. Tell them to go ahead. We'll hold them off as long as we can. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Go, 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 go. Come on. There's always somebody who trips over. Always. Of course. In fact, in the extended credit sequence, it was probably person who trips over. <laughs> By the way, Miles, yeah. if you haven't seen Logan yet, there is no after credit sequence. Your bladder will thank me. <laughs> I was thinking of it this weekend. My bladder didn't. Oh, oh, that was it. Holy. Ooh. Oh, that's going to suck. Hey, you took it down with a submachine gun. That's impressive. Yeah, that's stretching things a bit, I think. It looks good. It does look good. But again, we see one of the... Oh, dear. Yeah, the seed hey, ships built. Things were nearly impossible to destroy. Yeah, the modern gates are made out of Naquita. Mm -hmm. These are made by the seed ships from whatever material they can get their hands on. So they're just not as strong. This is probably the first time we saw the gate being physically damaged like that. Yeah. I mean, before, we've seen a gate destroyed by being swallowed by lava, but even then, you, it may not be destroyed, it's just gone. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's it, we have to go. Oh, dear. Yeah, there was a point where you've just got to go. Yeah. Do it! Can't beat these. You gotta come back and fight another day. Yeah, it's disturbing though. In the space of a few days, you've been attacked yeah. by drones twice. They are relentless. I hate to be the one to say this, but we're stranded here. Well, even if we can't use the gate, Destiny can still come back for us. What? They were under attack as well. The ship was already damaged. Even if they got away, they wouldn't be able to risk it. But the drones are gone. But they don't know that. And without the gate, we have no way to tell them. Cheer up, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Camille, being optimistic and being shot down. No, kind of begs the question a little. Why the people they never had any kind of dealings with the drones? Because I mean, it's all in the same galaxy, right? Yeah. yeah. It may. Mm, obviously, we know what's going to happen in the episode, uh -huh. and it makes you wonder if the drones came to this part of the galaxy, maybe after Novus fell. That might be our fault. We encountered them a little while ago. Seems they've been tracking us ever since. We thought we'd lost them, but apparently not. They're chasing destiny. It still doesn't explain how they found us here. Okay, which one of you left a forwarding address? The gate. An active gate is, is a massive subspace event. Ah, that makes a lot of sense. Subspace activity being detectable. I mean, just imagine, one of the laughable things about Star Wars is when we're going to search the galaxy, so they launch a dozen drones. <laughs> <laughs> Anything? Okay, do you know how many planets are off? 
Yeah, you're gonna need more drones. Yeah. It's probably too late. It's been too late for a long time. That has to be the active gate. Every time we drop out, we dial. So Rush came to the same conclusion. And it's the only thing that would explain why they attacked the planet and Destiny at the same time. So we are safe as long as we don't dial. But the gate is our supply line. Yeah, that could be a problem then, couldn't it? The drone's ability to detect an active gate must have some limitation. Yeah, about four episodes, I think. <laughs> it really created an enemy that is almost impossible to defeat. Yeah. But again, they could have been looking at maybe to find the homeworld of the drones. I would have loved to know what season three might have been like. Uh, you never know. You'll get a revival on the face of that. God knows they've got enough money sloshing around. Park and Volker coming to the realisation that they may have to leave their friends behind. And you always know you're in trouble when Young and Rush agree. You see the guy there standing next to TJ? That is Aiden, Louis Ferreira's son. Oh, okay. Didn't know that. Mentioned him in the commentary. Cool. Looks like they still managed to get a lot of people off the planet. Listen, I'm sorry. We're, um, we're not going back. The burdens of command resting heavily on young shoulders. Yeah, you're not going to fix that. <laughs> <laughs> no, duct tape isn't going to work. Camille said you were out here. What are you doing? But again, Eli just shows you how clever he is, how much he understands about the gate system now. You know, the gate's not working, but the control systems are still intact. Gates use short-range subspace transmitters. It's how they communicate status updates with Destiny before it even drops out or dials. And I was thinking maybe we can use it. Send a message, tell them the, the drones are gone. It's safe to pick us up. And won't the signal call the drones back? That's it. <laughs> Answer all the viewers' questions. Yeah. <laughs> the signal is several thousand times fainter than the event caused by an active wormhole. But you can't know for sure. It's a calculated risk. But if the signal's that faint, will it even reach Destiny? They've probably jumped into FTL by now. No, I should reach them. They haven't gone too far. So this is a total grab shoot. It... Pretty much. It's, yeah, I can't blame you either, because you really haven't got much option staying here now. You guys at least try anything. Well, the temporal reality has hit me. I have to be at the bus station at 5 to 5 on Sunday morning. Okay, good to know. It sounds stupid. <laughs> yeah, and Futura sounds cool. Yeah, obviously, it's a matter of opinion. It's a font. Oh, I love that. It's a font. They're living in the same tone as It's a Trap. That's uh, Jen Spencer's idea. And I like the idea that, for all his intelligence, Eli hasn't got the experience to figure out, use it for code. Yeah, drawing a blank on the lieutenant's name, but Scott. God was able to focus him on making the best of it. Yeah. Rush, Chloe, I need you on the bridge now. Code. That's something Rush took so long to figure out. Use the people around you. They've got experience mm -hmm. and knowledge that you haven't. Exactly. Morning. Morning. I'm starting to get the feeling that we may have to settle in here for good. One more shot. Eli! Hey! Hey! You did it. I did? Yeah, it worked. How do you know? How did Scott know that was there? It probably called his radio. <laughs> now here's a moment that's coming up soon that I never thought I'd ever see. Yes, between uh, Camille and Greer. Yes. <laughs> well, they they went through hell on Homeworld Command, and it, it stuck, didn't it? Yes, I well, it wasn't really then. <laughs> I still say that pyramid reminds me of 
the ghoul landing craft. I wonder if the ghoul got the idea from that, given the relative time. Very crowded metal. Right. Thanks. I know I said I wanted to help these people, but I gotta be honest. I'm glad we're almost there. It's been kind of fun. Don't tell that to Rush. It's been even grumpier than usual. <laughs> you can just imagine Rush sitting all by himself, grumbling, and anybody that comes into the room. He's probably thinking when, you know, the air's going to run out. I know. You think Colonel Young will let him? guess it depends on how many. Well, do you think their planet's going to be in one piece when we get there? Oh, absolutely. The way they describe the seismic activity, I'd say they got years before it goes critical. I don't know. It's bad enough to make them send out those expeditions in the first place. I have a vague memory of an open lava field. Not in this episode, you haven't. Apparently, both sides had nuclear weapons. No, no, there's, there's no way it would have come to that. Yeah, they have nukes. I imagine they'd have to go through the technical advancements. Probably did it a lot faster than humanity did on Earth. I mean, you have 80-some people. A lot of them are the best of the best when it comes to science. They just don't have the tools and the infrastructure to make this stuff. But after they created what they could accomplish, the sky's the limit. Yeah. Virtually foolproof way to pass the knowledge down as well. Right. It wasn't getting lost between generations. There probably no uh, dark ages. Probably still made good use of the kinos. Thank you. Eli runs off like an excited schoolboy on his first day trip. Approaching the planet on a shuttle. The atmosphere looks way too grey and cloud cover for it to be a life-bearing planet. We're passing to the atmosphere shortly. He's not looking happy. Well, it, it makes you wonder at this point, did they have space travel? They haven't actually said they had space travel. You'd think they would have. But maybe they concentrated on other technologies and used the gate. No radio signals, no sign of satellites or orbital stations. And dust and ash. Looks like plenty of that. So, they're entering the atmosphere. Passing through, it appears to be a pretty thick layer of particulate matter. Dust and ash. No habitable world should look grey. Yeah, they should be seeing something. All right, getting a reading on surface temperatures. It's winter. It's snowing. <laughs> it's pretty cold down there. Oh, God. Nuclear winter. All right, clouds breaking up. We should be able to see something here pretty soon. I don't know. For whatever reason, it just reminds me of Caprica when I see the city. Yeah. What is it? It's a city. It's a huge... Modern city is completely intact. The design is very much rooted in maybe 20 years ago, yet you know there's probably much more modern transport systems. I think cities just take a long time to evolve. They grow fast, but once the building's there, it's a huge amount of inertia to actually change it. Right, they aren't going to change that much over time. What? Another layer of dust and ash, blocking out sunlight, lowering surface temperatures. There's really only one possible explanation. Extreme volcanic activity, like a super volcano or worse. Not exactly nuclear winter, but just as devastating. You see any movement down there? No, there's no heat sources, no radio transmissions, no microwave transmissions. This is a planet that's been put through the ringer. I'm going to bring us in for a closer look. This is a cool effect here, flying around the city. Yeah. Sir. Including the Oscars. We're not seeing any signs of people. No smoke from fires, no tracks in the snow. Nothing. It doesn't look like anyone's been around here for a long time. 
they've gone very subtle with the music as well. Mm -hmm. Millions of people lived here. <laughs> yes. Where did they all go? Uh, unfortunately, they're probably buried under six feet of ash. And if you look at the street signs, it looks like there's a lot of ash. Now, I like what they're doing. You see buildings that look like they're post-industrial, then you have buildings alongside it that are more modern looking. Yeah, as the technology grew over the decades. Good transition. And doubtless preservation societies and so on. You would hope so. A civilization that knew its roots so well would probably revere history, you would yeah. have thought. Ah, I didn't mention that during the commentary when uh, they were flying over the planet. Patrick said, uh, oh, it looks like a you know super volcano went off and he just hummed a bit and thought, I think I actually went for an audition for a film called Super Volcano once. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> okay then, folks, that was Common Descent. Pretty good episode. Loved it. Indeed. Very good payoff when it came to time travel. Well, yeah, I can say we watched Twin Destinies. I don't think anybody at the time outside of the production staff thought that would go anywhere. You know, we, we had Telford, his little story, but those people, they've gone, they've lost. You know, we, the Pilford Destiny, that burnt up in the star, and they come back with something like this, a whole different timeline. Well, not, right. no, not really, but... Well, let me ask you guys something. I mean, when it comes to time travel, it looks like they, they subscribe to two theories. The theory is you go back in time, you kill somebody, you change present. And then there's the time travel theory that they use in Star Trek 2009, where if you travel to the past you either end up in an alternate timeline or you create an alternate timeline. It looks like they're kind of playing with both theories. I think at this point, they're definitely leading towards the, the old-fashioned, you know, grandfather paradox, where you go back back in time, you've got to be careful what you do because you will change your own personal timeline. Mm -hmm. I prefer the branching theory in that once you go back, it doesn't matter if you go back because you don't change anything. What you do is you create a new branch where the events that you made have gone off into their own. It's all, to simplify it from a Pratchett perspective, it's all because of quantum. <laughs> I mean, you have the Destiny crew that tried to go home, but they failed. They end up 2,000 years in the past on another planet, but they survive, they thrive. When that rush travels to the past, or I'm trying to remember, 12 hours he travels, and he meets up with Destiny. In the grandfather paradox, I would have thought they would have stopped not trying to go home, they would have avoided the grandfather paradox, but the first destiny is still... Yeah. The effects of them going back in time, that consequence is still ongoing. The beauty of time travel for any writer is that, at the moment, they can do anything they want. Right. There is no science... Well, the only science we've got is scientists saying that time travel is not possible. <laughs> <laughs> As the Vulcan High Council keeps stating. But they would say that, wouldn't they? Of course. They're from the future, after all. <laughs> They don't want anybody trying it right now. No. <laughs> <laughs> Once they discovered time travel, they, they suddenly realised that you want to hide it, because otherwise people would catch on. They keep saying, if time travel had been invented, why haven't we seen evidence of it? No matter when it was invented, time travellers would appear, now, or in the past, any time. Right. There would be people trying to exploit whatever benefits they could. But it just makes such a wonderful narrative tool for any uh, speculative fiction. Oh, absolutely. I mean take something like Back to the Future, idea of a guy wondering what his parents were like in high school, you know, from there you have Back to the Future. Yeah. From there you have Back to the Future Part 2, a thoroughly confusing movie. Yeah, they did some interesting things in that. That'll give you a headache if you think too hard. Yeah, I, I tend to skip that when I do my uh, rewatch. Alright, we've got a bit of information about the writer and director. 
Peter DeLuise, obviously uh, one of the cornerstones of the Stargate franchise over the years, directed this episode. Altogether, he directed 56 episodes of SG-1, 6 of Atlantis and 7 of the Universe. Also directed episodes of Sanctuary, R.L. Stein's A Haunting Hour, Parked, Dark Matter and When Pours the Heart. Rob C. Cooper, creator of Atlantis and Universe, he wrote 39 episodes of SG-1, 5 of Atlantis and 6 of Universe, also The Ark of Truth. He's the creator and writer on Dark Matter, also uh, executive producer of Dirt Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, and written for Flash Forward, No Contest, The Dark, The Club and Blown Away. It's rather depressing to know that that's the last we will see of their contribution to uh, the franchise. Oh, the last contribution was excellent. Oh yeah, yeah, no doubt. Mind you, I, I can't criticize Rob C. Cooper for his writing at any point. He he was one of those writers that tend to get the big pivotal episodes and really spin the uh, series out in new directions. Peter DeLuise, famed for his uh, humor on set, not that surprising really, considering who his dad was. Again, one of those directors, when you ever listen to a commentary, the actors have nothing but good stuff to say about him. Jack? Daniel? Are you you? Yeah, you. What? I like the yellow ones. Never mind. Brad here from Australia with some feedback for this week's episode, The Hunt. So you're off ship again, I don't think they've done that since Malice, but uh, it definitely looks like Vancouver. Not sure what Scott's doing walking around with the remote. I weren't aware that they had uh, life-sign detectors on them. It's good to see that they're uh, still searching the ship, but have they only found ancient crates with nothing in them? Surely there's got to be something in there. Hello, Stasis Pods. Considering where we are in the timeline since uh, SG-1 Lantis wrapped up, I'm guessing this is a new cave set. Mike, you can fill us in on that one. Is it just me, or does Chloe seem uh, surprisingly more chatty in this episode? I love the joke with uh, Rush locking Brody in the... Uh, Stasis chamber, very funny. Although, you'd want to think that he had a full understanding that the system was working properly before he hit the execute button. And the uh, Lucian Alliance team wandering the jungle in uh, hot, fully dressed leather, sweating away. It doesn't really seem like the best thing to make clothing from. And oh my god, PJ, you broke Greer when you put him back together. Where'd the widget go that was left over? Put that heart back into him. And the fearlessness. It was interesting having a uh, off-ship episode where it appeared they wanted to keep the CG budget down ahead of the next four episodes, yet they decided to make a whole new creature, or two creatures. I didn't mind it. I didn't hate it. It's been on par with what we've seen with Stargate before, so, yeah, I didn't really mind it. And poor Volker. I blame Chloe. So uh, that's my thoughts on the hunt, and I'll talk to you all later. Goodbye. Cheers, Brad. Yeah, all Chloe's fault. After all, she did kind of get the ball rolling, although the general consensus is that Volker needed to man up, which made a nice contrast to Greer, who was suffering a crisis. What is a soldier to do if you can't fire your weapon, even if there is a tasty treat awaiting you, let alone to defend your group? The cave set was perhaps the best we've seen on Stargate, although that probably owed more to some excellent lighting, which gave the set the impression of space, and the dynamic light pouring in from the cave mouth was near perfection to maintain the illusion. We know from seasons gone by, Stargate has always had to juggle budgets, but I think the resources for Universe were such that they had far more to play with, and the need for an out-and-out bottle show to allow for a whiz-bang extravaganza never really became an issue. No doubt the creature cost a bit to create, but offset by reduced space CGI requirements. As always, thank you Brad for the feedback. 
anyone wants to get in touch with us, they can visit the Gatecast website at gatecast.co.uk or email us using gatecastpodcast at gmail.com. We are on Facebook and Google+. Plus. Do a search or follow the links on the website. We are also on Twitter, at the Gatecast, which is one word, and are carried on iTunes and Stitcher Internet Radio. We also have an independent RSS feed, which contains everything we've released so far. That link can be copied and pasted into a podcatcher. Oh, we also have a Stargate Universe favourite episode poll running. Well, top ten favourite episode poll. A last minute decision, but the poll will be open for a week or so, so vote away. We'll give the results in the wrap-up show. Okay, back to the show. Okay then, folks, that was Common Descent. Next week we are going to be watching Epilogue. The entire history of our people is stored here. Looks like they documented everything. It's a detailed account when we first got here from Destiny. For all we know, we could have gone back in time or gone forward. Is that a follow-up? Yeah, running right under the city. Only three episodes left. Stargate Universe, an original series. Sorry, I got us home. We are home. Alan will not be joining us for that. He has a family business to take care of. Miles, however, will be joining us for that. Miles, would you like to give us a bit of uh, information about the Sci-Fi Diner podcast? I would love to. Thank you. So I uh, co-host a podcast with my friend Scott and M called the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. We've been doing it since 2009. We review news of what's going on in the sci-fi world. As we can, we try to interview people making sci-fi, either filmmakers or some of the uh, actors that have been in a lot of our favorite sci-fi shows. We've had the opportunity to interview many notables in the Stargate franchise, uh, Richard Dean Anderson and, and several others. I'm drawing a blank at the name. Several but, others. That covers yeah. everything. But yeah, I'd be, I'd be delighted if you check us out. Excellent. Can I also say I appeared, although it's probably, it will probably have been out, I popped up in the Calavacci fashion cast. The what? The Calavacci fashion cast. Okay. It's as in Al Calavacci. Al Sam's Al. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, his surname isn't actually mentioned, but it's stuck in there somewhere. Yeah, they did 50s episode where he plays a radio DJ, season two, episode six. Why don't you tweet it or something? I could. I don't tend to tweet when I'm at home. I only tend to tweet when I'm traveling. (laughs) I don't know why. Give that podcast a bit of promotion. We've got nearly 3,000 followers on the feed. We might as well make use of them. That's why I always keep tweeting the other Stargate podcasts. Give you know, give them as much promotion as I can. Put a link on your Facebook page also. Yeah, social media, Alan. Come on, <laughs> get with it. <laughs> okay then, folks. Thank you very much for joining us and watching Common Descent. Uh, next week, it's going to be Epilogue. I hope you join us for that. But until then, I've been Mike. I've been Alan. And I've been Miles. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Gatecast, hosted by Alan and Mike. Join us at gatecast.co.uk. Stargate forever. Mm-hmm.